The Oklahoma Sooners defense gets more good news. What was it? We'll discuss on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KREF Sports app. And the defense continues to get good news in the offseason. For the Oklahoma Sooners, Woody Washington returning for year number six in 2024 with the Sooners adding a starter at the very least more competitive depth to the defensive roster, Josh. Yeah, it's great news in uh, conjunction with the other news you got in your secondary from Billy Bowman, obviously Danny Stutzman as well at linebacker to get three starters decisions to return to uh, Oklahoma win you had professional aspirations or or possibilities is is no small thing here's uh woody washington who has been a three-year starter for oklahoma obviously been around ou longer than that was uh, voted a permanent team captain for ou this past season has played a lot of football it's uh it's big news for oklahoma as they make that first year jump into the sec it is big news, and I know a lot of people are are not as high on Woody Washington as I might be, and I get that. He's a guy that you know gives up plays. He's he's given up as many plays as just about anybody on the roster, but he's also made some really good plays. And there were there were times this season where he was your best cover guy, whether it was because Gentry Williams was injured or Kenai Walker was injured or just because he was just playing really good football. I mean, he had some games where, okay, maybe there was a pass completed in his direction, but he shut it down and didn't let much happen after the catch. You know, there have been games where, yeah, the Sooners defense got torched in the air. Well, against Arizona, that's one of those games where everybody just seemed to struggle to cover McMillan and Cowling. It was just a really good offensive attack from Arizona. But I think getting Woody Washington to return gives you a safe floor at cornerback and gives you a guy with a lot of starting experience going into a conference. That's going to have some really good wide receivers that you'll have to face. Is he the best corner Oklahoma's ever had? No, but he's a really good corner and he's somebody that's providing a lot of leadership, a lot of experience as you continue to develop your young cornerback group. Yes, you've got talented guys in Jacoby Johnson and Josiah Wagner and Makari Vickers, Gentry Williams, but those guys aren't quite there yet. They haven't shown to be ready to be starters for you to play 850 snaps, which is what Woody Washington did play and led the team in snaps on defense by more than by 70 over Billy Bowman. So he had more, he had a game's worth more snaps than the second guy on the team in snaps so that experience counts for something it's the old thanos and loki back and forth where you know loki's trying to get thanos to 
let him lead Thanos and Thanos's army to earth because he's got the experience. And Thanos says, well, if you call failure experience and Loki retorts, I consider experience experience. You cannot discount Woody Washington's experience. Can he be better? hundred percent. Just like everybody on the defense, but just like everybody on the defense, we saw them take a significant step forward in scoring defense in past defense, even though it was still one of the kind of bottom 30 or 40 or 50, it was improved from what it was a year ago. So things are improving. If your young corners aren't quite ready to go as sophomores, you've got a really, really good option at one of your quarterback spots in Woody Washington. And uh, as we all know, Loki, take that advice uh, with a little grain of salt, known trickster in uh, mythological lore. But that uh, that as an aside there, uh, obviously what you said is true. Washington uh, has played a, a ton of football, 202 tackles that he's made throughout his career. Uh, two and a half tackles for loss was a career best this season. Uh, he's intercepted five passes, 25 uh, or 24 passes that he's broken up. And again, all of the snaps and starts that he's made 46 games he's appeared in over the course of his career, 36 career starts. Crazy when we get into this with a player like Woody Washington, John, to where we're this far down the road. And here's somebody that was recruited by Mike Stoops, started 10 games for Alex Grinch, and now uh, all of a sudden will be with Brent Venables in Oklahoma in year one uh, of the SEC. So that's just sort of wild, the, the timeline for Woody Washington. The continuity matters. I, I think that's the part that people are going to overlook, just having more continuity on defense where you're not turning over a bunch of guys like you are on, on the offensive line. You know, you're not turning over a bunch of your secondary. In fact, you're only losing maybe one guy out of your secondary that was a key contributor, and that was Key Lawrence. No pun intended. But you're bringing Washington and Williams and Bowen and Bowman and, and Robert Spears Jennings back. Kendall Dolby, if you want to consider him a secondary player, even though he played predominantly at Cheetah, you're bringing a lot of your starting secondary back. And some people might argue, well, maybe that's not a good thing. But again, it's just progression. We saw a better Billy Bowman this year than we saw last year. We saw a better Woody Washington this year than we saw last year. A better, you know, I think we're going to see a better Peyton Bowen next year than we saw this year. So it's just a matter of progression. Woody Washington's going to continue to improve. And again, if the pass rush improves for Oklahoma, how much better is the coverage? Because that was an issue at times this season. The pass rush wasn't good enough. And guys were having to cover guys for four, five, six seconds. And it's really, really, you could be Jalen Ramsey and you're going to have a hard time covering somebody for four plus seconds. Well, that's, there's no doubt about that. Oklahoma has to get better at getting home in, in 2024. There's no harm, no foul in, again, a large number of snaps and starts coming back. Even if the situation, John, is, hey, you understand, Woody, that a decision to come back is not just a guaranteed starting spot because you've been a longtime starter for Oklahoma. I hope that OU doesn't just uh, sew away a couple of starting spots for Woody and Gentry just because they were your primary starters this season. I think that there's a good chance that it winds up that way 
that both Woody Washington and Gentry Williams, you got your two starters back, and they start throughout the course of this next season for you. But you don't have to be married to that that idea either. And what you said about everybody getting a year older and all of a sudden a year better, don't forget that you get all of this back, John. And oh, by the way, they went and they got Des Malone. And who knows, there might be another name that they add out of the portal before this thing is all said and done. And they signed a number of guys in this 24 class that – Look, that's the nature of things at Oklahoma. If somebody in this 24 class or the 23 class in front of it, they develop or they arrive immediately from 24 and they're ready to go, then they're going to get an opportunity to play. But it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings or it shouldn't, knowing that you get all this production and experience back into the fold. Exactly right. And again, it provides you a safe floor that you can continue to push cornerback and see what develops and see who progresses and and rises to the occasion but you've got woody washington available to you it's a really good thing for oklahoma to have that competitive depth back uh, for 2024 the leadership the experience you know the dude that's seen a bunch of football is going to help usher you into the sec and maybe he continues to get better himself and that's definitely on the table as well the Oklahoma Sooners had some more portal movement uh, on the uh, what was the last day of the transfer portal declaration period. We'll discuss that here on Locked On Sooners, your team every day. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that's your that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tool to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Oklahoma Sooners had a little bit more portal movement here on uh, the first couple days of January. Well, they added another cornerback. This one a preferred walk-on at the moment in uh, Jocelyn Malaka coming out of Utah, returning back to the state of Oklahoma. This was a kid that camped with the Sooners back in 2021. So a little bit of a full circle moment. I think Brandon Drum is the one that kind of called it that uh, for Malaka. So an interesting piece, a guy that's got a lot of size, committed to a Utah team that's got a really good defense and has shown to have some grit to it over the the you know Kyle Whittingham years. This is a, a really intriguing option for the Sooners 
to add to their secondary and just kind of see what develops here. He's young, obviously was a three-star signee for Utah. And to listen to Parker Thune on the radio side today was kind of waiting, waiting, waiting for that Oklahoma offer. It never materialized during his high school recruitment. So here's somebody that's an in-state product initially originally was from Bethany, Oklahoma. And again, wanted, wanted to come to OU. It sounds like, but did not get that high school offer went to Utah has been primarily a special teams player uh, appeared in five games this year. Really again, all special teams work, but somebody that is that young, John six foot one, is from the state of Oklahoma, values this opportunity as a preferred walk-on. We'll see if down the road it turns into a scholarship situation uh, for Malaska, but obviously it uh, it excites you to think that, okay, you've went and added a little bit more defensive back depth, or here's something crazy. It's not a bad deal for Oklahoma to bolster their special teams a little bit too. So I like the idea of somebody that has, uh, has been a factor in special teams elsewhere and in a program in Utah, John, that I look at and say, okay, they do a lot of little things right to cut corners and win football games. So I would imagine probably he's been coached pretty well on uh, the special team side. So even if it's just that type of role to start for Oklahoma, come on down. I love it. Yeah, it's important to bolster your special teams unit. I think it's the area that most people would look at for Oklahoma and think, okay, we got to get better on coverage, on returns, on on punting and kicking. All of it's got to continue to improve. And so if you're bringing a dude in just to kind of help be a special teams ace for you, I'm, I'm not against that one bit. Again, he signed with Utah in the 2022 uh, signing class. This was just as Brent Venables and his staff were coming to Oklahoma. So again, circling back a little bit to an in-state prospect who was the number 17 prospect in the state of Oklahoma, according to 247 Sports, and getting him to come back home. You you add depth. You add a little bit of collegiate experience, even though he hasn't played a lot on defense. He's been in a system that, or at a program that has a lot of really impressive athletes and really impressive players that he's going to continue to, or that he had an opportunity to develop against or develop with. So, I like the addition. You can never add enough talent. And as a preferred walk-on, you know, you're getting kind of almost a freebie at this point with somebody who has the collegiate kind of chops that he has. And we'll see, can he develop, can he, you know, make the most of his, you know, time on the roster and maybe earn a scholarship? We'll see. But to start, Malaska is just a, a good addition, a solid addition. It, we'll see where it goes from here, but you add a solid potential special teams player for your team. The other movement, do you have one more thought on this, Josh? Well, yeah. The other angle here for Oklahoma fans is the their recruiting is younger brother, too. Evanson, okay. Malaska, who is a, a class of 2026 kid, uh, 5'10", buck 60. He's listed as an athlete, so I'm sure – at Bethany right now, John, he's playing wide receiver. He's playing running back, safety, corner. I mean, he's probably all over the place when you get that athlete labeled this early in the recruitment. But they, he's already got his younger brother an offer from uh, from Oklahoma. He visited uh, in June all the way back of 2022. So it's a longstanding relationship in terms of uh, the engagement both sides from Evanson to Oklahoma. And he's got some interest from Kansas too. So you, uh, you get – Somebody that 
Oklahoma maybe missed on initially in his older brother, Jocelyn Malaska, who, oh, by the way, not a bad name in Sooner lore. That could uh, bode well for Oklahoma also. And who knows, maybe this down the road also kind of gives you that little inroads with younger brother as well. Would it be weird to put Malaska in 78 as a defensive back? Hey, I, all of the good juju, right? Why not? If you're not familiar, 78 is the number Jocelyn Allo war during her time with the Sooners. Uh, the other portal movement that we've seen from Oklahoma, Blake Smith, the tight end, entered the transfer portal. Not too terribly surprising. Wasn't really utilized here in Norman very much, but at a position where you don't really have a lot of depth, you know, you're going to be relying on Caden Helms, Bauer Sharp, incoming Devon Mitchell, and that's kind of where you're at um, tight end wise. So Blake Smith, who was supposed to come in and kind of take on that uh, you know, the, the Daniel Parker role a little bit and be your, your run game tight end. It never really materialized. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot in the receiving aspect of the game. So it's not too terribly surprising to see him hit the portal necessarily. You'd like to have a veteran in your tight end room if you could have one, but honestly, if you're not providing much in the way of the passing game, I I'd, I'd rather just go with a young group of guys and then just see if those young guys can kind of take a step and become big time players for you. Well, and Oklahoma doesn't want to absorb a scholarship with somebody that is an older guy. That's not impacting the equation. So best of luck uh, to Blake, who's been uh, a couple of places now and looks like it's going to be a third destination for Blake Smith. Uh, seemed to help out a little bit in the run game for Oklahoma, but obviously the Sooners, that whole position group, it just wasn't what Oklahoma wanted in uh, in 2023. They need more out of it. And if you can't do both, John, I do think it's going to be hard to stick at uh, at Oklahoma. Now, granted, if you're the greatest run blocker of all time, then okay, maybe, maybe it'd work out. But uh, probably Oklahoma's looking for a little bit more in the way of versatility. Yeah, it played just 92 snaps over eight games for the Sooners. Just not enough. If you're coming here as a veteran, you got to be able to come in and be an impactful player. A lot of impactful players we saw in the college football playoff semifinals. Oh, Texas, what happened? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners coming up here after the break. And don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. Again, free and available on all podcast platforms. Thank you so much for being a part of Locked On Sooners and helping make 2023 our best year yet. So excited for what 2024 is going to bring here on the show. We're with you every single day here on Locked On Sooners. So Josh, where should we start? Should we start chronologically or just jump right into Texas? You had your chance and Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers and Adonai Mitchell just could not come through there at the end. No, they couldn't. And I don't know. I don't know why you run the little flat route. They ran toward the sideline. Ridiculous. Other than you're just really hopeful. It's going to totally catch Washington by surprise. And you find your way into the end zone, but it clearly didn't work out that way. It was well defended. And then, Really, the next three, I would agree with a lot of the analysis or commentary I saw out on the uh, social media interwebs. Quinn Ewers didn't really give anybody a chance. 
to go make uh, the game-winning touchdown reception. And really on a couple of those plays, the flat pass included, Steve Sarkeesian didn't give Quinn Ewers a chance to go win the football game for Texas. So it, it, a wild sequence, though, with the the injury forcing the stoppage for Washington and then the kick-catch interference. I mean, the end of the game was uh, a lifetime in and of itself. Yeah. But uh, each of the two college football playoff games – they delivered. Yeah, they were fantastic events all in all. Like, you know, watching the end of the Washington-Texas game, we'll stick here for a minute before we go to Michigan-Alabama. Washington was just trying to give that game away, it seemed. And, you know, Texas was able to march right down the field after getting the ball back and had plenty of time to run four plays from the 15. And you talk about that swing pass. The best-case scenario is you score a touchdown. The worst case scenario is it's ball game. If he catches that in bounds, it just did not seem like a great idea. And then you're, you think about, okay, the four plays you have to run, you know, from the 15, that's the best you could come up with was a couple fade routes to Adonai Mitchell, a swing pass. And then, man, I can't even remember what the third one was, but it was just like so much of the passing game was out of sync there at the end. And that's kind of where you'd want to be, actually. You don't want to be a whole lot closer because everything becomes so much more compact. People, you know, you hear offensive coordinators talk about the difficulty of throwing the football when you get closer to the goal line because you have less room. There's so many more bodies in there. And I really felt like Texas kind of put themselves in a perfect position to win the game when they would have so much space but they didn't utilize that space to their advantage. They threw one behind the line of scrimmage and then just threw back to the deep end of the end zone. And, you know, kind of a mistake to not target Xavier Worthy, maybe not, not target Jatavian Sanders and, and give him a shot as well. So just, it's just a wild sequence. Washington, man, they, they played a really good game despite a lot of boneheaded mistakes. You had the, you know, the, the cat, the uh, punt return interference, but you had another one of those, uh, a punt fumble, a punt return fumble um, early in the game in the first, second quarter. And that allowed Texas to tie the game and stay in it when it looked like maybe Washington was about to go up by two scores and, and run away with this thing. They just kept making mistake after mistake after mistake that allowed Texas to hang around, which looking ahead to their matchup with Michigan in the final, which we'll I'm sure we'll discuss at further length here on the show you don't want to be making mistakes against a Jim Harbaugh coach team. That team is going to be very sound, very disciplined, and they're not going to give you a lot. So you can't give them free opportunities, free chances, turnovers. You can't do it. Otherwise you're going to get beat really quickly. No, that's right. Yeah. And probably that's going to be what decides the national championship game. It was weird in the way that both the, uh, Washington and Michigan win, and yet they made a, a number of mistakes. The first play of the game for Michigan looked like it was going to be an interception for McCarthy, and then obviously it was ruled uh, out of bounds, didn't reestablish, and it got wiped. But they had a muffed punt in their game uh, versus Alabama and, and had the lead and had chances to maybe pull – uh, put the thing away in the second half, offensively couldn't get anything going. And then all of a sudden, Alabama's up by seven points. Didn't feel like there was any way Michigan was going to drive down the field for a game-tying score. And sure enough, McCarthy and Corum and company, they found a way to late find just enough offense and then uh, in overtime uh, again too. So it was weird in the way that 
both Washington and Michigan made some pretty critical errors and yet won each of them to, to get to the national championship game. So whoever can eliminate that in the title game is probably going to be crowned the college football playoff champion. I tend to lean Washington at this point. I know Michigan's the, the favorite pretty much everywhere you look, but to me, what Michael Penix Jr. did against Texas, the pinpoint accuracy in that that he displayed, I just think that the quarterback's going to win out over the other quarterback, and it's almost frustrating in a way. In a game that was so great for OU fans, right, Washington won the way in the college football playoff that Oklahoma was designed to try to win with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. They did it with uh, Michael Penix Jr. And I think they're going to win a national championship, John. And I even thought about this year. If you don't give away the games against Kansas and Oklahoma State, maybe you're playing Washington. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Now, would they have gone as similarly? Would you be able to hang with Washington? Who knows? It's all hypothetical, but I, I don't think that Texas was that much better of a team than Oklahoma. Yes, they made they won the Big 12. Yes, they made it to the college football playoff. Yes, you lost to, to Oklahoma State and to Kansas. Really, you gave those game away, gave those games away. And yeah, it, it's a team that you look at and you're like, okay, that was an Oklahoma type of game right there. And then going back to Michigan real quick and, and some of their errors, the Rose Bowl, bro, in the first half, the sun was so bad. The visuals were so bad. It is not surprising that there the JJ McCarthy might have a rough start, or that uh, you might have a punter or a punt returner struggle to field a kick, field a punt. The, the there was so much glare and the sun and the shadows. It was just a messy, messy look on the broadcast. And I know everybody's like clamoring. At least old media types and Big Ten types are clamoring for the Rose Bowl to be a permanent, you know, national title host. Nah, man, do not give me any afternoon games in the Rose Bowl. It does not look good on the broadcast at nighttime. Fine. Middle of the day, noon kick fine. But that 3 PM where the shadows are, are, or the sun is just being blocked out. And there's so many shadows on the field. It's just really, really hard to like watch the game. Um, but you know, still the Rose Bowl is cool. College football is cool. I, I think we're going to have a really good national championship. And I, and I hope, this is what we're going to get when the playoff expands next year is just a lot of close games. And I think we're starting to see aside from Georgia's beat down of Florida state and Oregon's beat down of Liberty. You're starting to see more and more parity across college football. Uh, and it's going to make for a lot of really, really exciting matchups in the future. Yeah. We waited so long, you know, outside of Oklahoma, Georgia for a great, series of college football playoff semifinal games and last couple of years it's been really good obviously each of these two get into the debate about was it right or wrong for florida state to not get in was georgia still one of the four best teams we can have those debates what we can definitively say coming out of it is both games were great both games were great and hopefully yeah we'll see more of this going forward. You're going to get some of the opposite, though, too. I mean, that's the nature of playing more games is on occasion there's going to be one more great game, and then on occasion there's going to be three more lousy games because that's that's just the way the, the cookie crumbles. But what did, what did you make of at the end there, too? Alabama, fourth and goal, they run the football, designed quarterback run with Milrow. 
man, it's so hard. You know, I, I like Jalen Milrow and I think he's a good player, but I feel like you got to give him a better option than that, than just a design quarterback draw. Yes. He's a really, really good runner, but if you're Michigan, that's what you expect. And that's what you take away. And it was kind of hard headed of Tommy Reese and Nick Saban. And you, you know, I read some of Nick Saban's quotes after he expected them to load the box and try to stop Milrow. And they, he just thought we could probably still beat it. We could probably still block it up and, and get them in there. And they weren't able to. And so that's, that's kind of the hard thing to see is like you, you didn't give him an opportunity to get to space. So, you know, a play action bootleg where he's got a throw option or it could just run it in to me, that gives him an opportunity to, to make a play, use his ability as a runner. And then if the run is not there, it's probably because you've got somebody open in the passing game and you can try and make that play. To me, that would have set Bama up for more success than just a straight quarterback power. Well, and it was so predictable, like you mentioned, if, if you're Michigan, okay, he can flick one into the end zone. And if, if he extends the game or sets up a potential uh, game-winning two-point conversion try for Bama because he completed the, the touchdown pass, okay, we can uh, we can fight that battle and die that way. But we are not letting him quarterback draw into the end zone. And uh, it was it was just such a predictable play call, I thought. And sure enough, Michigan uh, stuffs it out. So it sets up a fascinating national championship where I do think Michael Penix Jr. has made it pretty abundantly clear that out of these four quarterbacks, he's the best. I think he's made himself a ton of money. And in this game, I think there's a legitimate separation, pretty healthy separation from Michael Penix Jr. to J.J. McCarthy. And yet I think the sum of the parts are better for Michigan. So in the defense, obviously is better for Michigan. So that's kind of a, a nice good on good, strength on not strength the, of this game that I think is going to be fascinating to watch. And Washington just seems like a team of destiny. All the one score games that they've won this year, you know, you can't do that without being both good and lucky. And Washington's been both on their way to the college football national championship game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We'll talk about it a little bit more as the week goes on, but I'm sure we'll have more transfer portal discussions to, to have as well as we get into 2024. Thanks so much for being with us. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref myself at John nine Williams, but until next time, boomer sooner.